I'm here with my good friend, David, Dr. David Hager, and I uh, love he and his wife, Pam, are just amazing friends of Pastor Steph and I. And uh, David is a unique individual. I just love so many things. Number one, I love his heart and his grace for others. Uh, and a big thing that I've learned from David is uh, so much that I know now about addiction, I learned by being associated with David. We've had an a episode already on COVID and its impact on the nation. We went through all your credentials, which are amazing. Uh, but the other part people forget is you uh, led uh, recovery addiction for us, uh, Celebrate Recovery for many years. And you did also at another church before that. And you've been on national boards for addiction and recovery. And David, I'd like to just take a little bit of time here to talk about how is COVID affecting those who are addicted? Yeah, it's a great question, Pastor. And um, in our work with uh, Celebrate Recovery for almost 20 years, uh, we've seen uh, various things happen in the environment and in society that have stimulated um, a reaction, particularly for abusive behaviors and, and substance addiction. But I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And you know some of the numbers, but um, just significant increases in substance use, um, in abuse, in overdoses, in uh, the distribution of Narcan. Um, so one of my fears is that the emotional consequences of this virus are going to be greater than what the physical consequences are. When you think that individuals are basically isolated at home, and when they're dealing with issues of rejection and abandonment and abuse, and they're dealing with fatherhood and motherhood issues, which are the basic stimuli for getting into addictive behaviors, and then they don't have any outlet, they can't go to their recovery group because mm -hmm. the recovery groups aren't meeting. Even some of them aren't meeting online. And you can't you don't have your accountability mm -hmm. partners. So I, I can't come to you uh, in accountability like mm -hmm. I normally do. We don't can't meet with our sponsors. And so and then you throw financial pressures. You can't work and get things off your mind. You're seeing your family do without. You know, David, I was talking to a police officer the other day in Lexington, and he, he was about crying when he was telling me. He says, I said, so can you throw some stats at me, what you're seeing, like real-time stats? He said spousal and child abuse is up 500% mm -hmm. in Fayette County. I said, well, what about overdose? He said it's up 1,100%. 1,100%, yeah. David, of uh, people losing their lives uh, through overdose. And when we are isolated, that's the enemy's workshop, right? right? You know, what our grandparents say, idle hands are the devil's work or whatever. I remember my mom used to say that before. And it's like the enemy loves to get us when we're already struggling with being whole. If he can get us focusing on our flaws where we miss it, and then what do we do? When the pressure comes, whatever we're addicted to, that's what we return to. Because, you know, it does certain things to us physically. Yeah, and then he gets us in disarray. 
because mm-hmm. he causes us to start disagreeing about these issues, mm-hmm. rejecting guidelines, rejecting mm-hmm. somebody yeah. telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. And then we he's got us exactly where he wants us. So, yeah, we, we really need to address this as a church. We need to be available. Mm-hmm. Uh, this church does a marvelous job as far as food ministry mm-hmm. in reaching out. We need to continue to reach out to your friends, to individuals that you know who have dealt with substance abuse, have have it in their families, because this is a time when uh, people are really, really going to crumble if we don't come alongside them. Yeah, and I think that we focus a lot on the small, insignificant things that are debatable versus the life-changing, eternal things. Mm -hmm. And when I look at that, I know uh, one gentleman that does some contract work for me outside the church in the business arena Within the first month, he had a guy that was actually on one of my jobs that had OD'd the night before. And he said, I'm sorry I didn't make it in yesterday. So-and-so OD'd, and it just broke my heart. And he said, man, he's been clean for months, you know. Uh, But it's just all of this. He said, got some family stuff and being locked at home. And he just went down the street, bought some stuff, and it was strong, and he didn't make it. And, And that's just one story out of hundreds that we're seeing every month here. And uh what what would your advice be to the church, to the body of Christ, and to the families of those with the addicted? Well, we need to be informed. Mm-hmm. We need to understand what the triggers are uh, for addictive um, action, addictive behaviors. And then we need to be able to reach out to people uh, with open arms and mm-hmm. in a non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. So often those individuals who are dealing with addictive behaviors feel that they're going to be judged in the church, mm-hmm. that people are going to criticize them. We have to have an understanding heart. We have to extend grace as grace has mm-hmm. been extended to us. We have to love them unconditionally. One of the most difficult things, what do, what do addicts do? They lie, steal, and deny. Yeah. All addicts lie, steal, and deny. That's mm-hmm. the nature of what th- th- they do in their behavior. You have to understand that. When, when you're a parent and your child has stolen from you, your child has lied to you about going to school or whatever it is, we have to understand that, that these are normal behaviors for them. We have to try to change those behaviors, but we really have to extend our mercy and grace to them far beyond what we think we're capable of doing so that, that we don't, they don't feel rejected. And so as a body of believers here at Bethel Harvest Church, Open arms, mm-hmm. uh, be receiving, uh, be be a, um, an extender of mercy and grace, and uh, really try to draw these people in because this should be their home. This is their opportunity yes. to have a yes. spiritual home. Mm-hmm. What would you think? What would be some of the habits that need to be formed right now during this time in homes with those who have folks that are addicted? Yeah. So the, the the biggest one is isolation. Yeah. So when we isolate, then our minds begin to percolate yeah. and we begin to focus on things that are not good for us. Mm-hmm. And so um, the one of the key things is to try not to be isolated. 
maintain communication. Mm. Uh, maintain communication with the members of your family. Maintain your accountability uh, and communication with accountability partners. And if you don't have accountability partners, I don't care if you've never dealt with substance in your life, you need accountability partners. Yes. Uh, from a spiritual yes. standpoint. From a moral standpoint. A moral, emotional standpoint as well as addictive behavior. So develop accountability partners. I have a group of guys that I meet with every week and we just hold each other in accountability. And when we're, we're struggling, we're able to say that to each other. Um, for those who have addictive behaviors, you need a sponsor. You need to have somebody that who has dealt with what you deal with and who uh, understands your addiction and can be your sponsor, somebody that you can call in the middle of the night. Um, we have a group of guys that, that are on a thread, and uh, we communicate uh, by, by uh, text on a regular basis. And, and we just communicate and try to keep each other um, upbeat. And then from an economical standpoint, um, you know, having your needs met and not panicking over uh, the, what's going on with the economy right now. I think things will recover, but make sure that your economic needs are met and you're not feeling so frustrated that you're going to do something that's uh, illegal or, or out of bounds. Yeah, I think when we deal with any kind of pressure, anxiety, fear, uh, those sorts of mindsets, but then you throw it a million times on that when addiction's involved, because <clears throat> now you got the chemical imbalance, you got the emotional, the history, the scars, you know, and and that's when we see the pressure comes, and and if we're not focusing on the right things and the right stuff and having the right influence in our life, we're going to gravitate to the old stuff, um, you know, and and people don't realize how how. Explain a little bit about addiction and the chemical impact. You know, someone who's not addicted with – people are addicted to all kinds of stuff, but we don't classify that some addictions like, you know, uh, porn addiction or heroin addiction. But we're addicted to a lot of things. But how does that chemical release in our brain? And explain to people that it's more than just uh, a mindset. Yeah. Well, uh, there are a couple of thoughts there. Uh, one is uh, I hear – uh, individuals say all the time, I'm going to teach my child how to be socially responsible with marijuana use. I'm going to teach my child how to be socially responsible with drinking. The, the issue that you don't know is genetically in that individual, are they genetically inclined to, be, to have an addictive personality? And how are they going to handle it? We see it in families where one son is, is not addicted and has been exposed to the same things and another son is. So there is a, a genetic aspect to that. Uh, when we are uh, stimulated, when we are excited about something, we have a release of dopamine in our brain. And dopamine is the excitatory hormone. So when uh, an individual uh, uses a drug and gets a high, an emotional high from that, there's a dopamine release. And that's addictive in and of itself. We want that same release of dopamine. And so when we don't find it in our normal daily activities, we want to go to this activity, whether it's pornography, maybe, whether it is sexual interaction, whether it's alcohol or drugs, in order to achieve that high again uh, that, that we had before so we feel better about ourselves. 
And the second aspect neurologically is synapses in the brain. You know, I've talked about yeah, this a lot, a lot yeah. uh, about how we form synapses whenever an event happens. So, for example, uh, you uh, are driving a car and you like to go fast and you're driving 90 miles an hour uh, down the interstate just for the fun of it and you get a high off that, there's a synapse formed in your brain. And so the only thing, and as, as we talk about in Celebrate Recovery, yeah. when those synapses are formed, they're permanent, in my opinion, and there is good work that was done at National Institutes of Health by a PhD named Jay Geed. He found that there had to be some type of spiritual interaction in order to break synapses. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to effectively sever synapses is an act of the Holy Spirit, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Now, that's my judgment. There will be people that disagree. So when, when, when we introduce people to Christ through our recovery programs, through church, then what we're asking is that God's Holy Spirit would sever those ties, sever those synapses in their brain, and allow them to form new synapses so that when they face stress, economically, emotionally, they don't go back to those old mm -hmm. behaviors and, and respond to those same triggers. And that's really the synapses, synapses that's like a mapping system, isn't yep. it? Yeah, billions in the brain. And uh, so those are the, the neurotransmitter connections in the brain, and we all have them. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, when uh, an, a kid who's eight years old looks at a pornographic image, a synapse is formed. And so instead of desiring normal sexual interaction, his brain goes or her brain goes to that pornographic image and and they get that dopamine high so we have to we have to break those but we have to love the individual unconditionally and realize they're a victim yes they're a victim of their circumstances they're a victim of rejection abandonment abuse mm -hmm. and we have to love them out of that and the only way we can do that is if i'm rightly related to god and I'm rightly related to Jesus Christ, then I have an opportunity to transmit that relationship to them. But if I'm not rightly it's related, what can I transmit? So good, David. And I, and I think in this time, it's so easy to overlook the most, the most vulnerable. Yeah. And when we look at we're having more deaths due to overdose, more deaths due to uh, physical abuse and spousal abuse and those sorts of things, then, uh, then COVID would even come close to touching. Yeah. We need to focus on COVID and do what's important, but we got to realize we're, we're on the wall and we got to look for whoever is the most vulnerable. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think as we wrap up here, what do you think, uh, uh, where would you direct folks now during this time, during COVID, to get some help? If they need some? Well, Celebrate Recovery is my, uh, you know, there's the program that I have worked with the most. It's a Christ-centered recovery program, and, and they're right on. John Baker um, has written the, the curriculum for that. And so I would recommend that you, you can go online. You can get their curriculum. They have a Celebrate Recovery Bible that takes everything back to recovery principles, and they have workbooks. Um, and so I, I would say uh, if you have a family member who is dealing with uh, addictive behaviors, get them into a program. There are programs that are not worth the money you spend. Mm -hmm. You need to investigate the program. And just because a program says they're Christ-centered does not mean they're Christ-centered. Right, right. They have to be Christ-centered and not 
humanly centered. Uh, but get them into that kind of program. Get them into the right literature. There are all kinds of podcasts mm-hmm. and broadcasts now uh, by various pastors who um, are, are dealing with this, these kinds of issues. Um, you know, I'm, Pam and I are available if people want to talk to us. Uh, my wife has an unbelievable ministry with women and ability to uh, pray with them and deal with them and their addictive behaviors. So, uh, I, and then the, the second thing is just to, just make sure that people aren't being isolated. Don't leave them at home alone. Don't make sure that people are involved in some type of activity. Well, we'll leave uh, an email and a way to contact us on the on the video for you on the screen and then we'll get back with anyone that connects with us absolutely and uh and and be there to help and support them especially those that are not uh connected to bethel we're that's fine we want to reach anyone who has a family member or who's dealing with these issues no matter where you are in the country or wherever we we think we can connect people with you to help you so we We had uh, you know that we had a connect group uh, this last year with the connect group season uh, connect groups are, are closely knit groups and um, we had a, a group for men uh, recovery group and we're, we'll be starting that back in September so they can uh, get involved in that and we'll be meeting uh, hopefully we'll be meeting back in the church maybe with masks on but uh, we'll uh, continue that ministry uh, in the fall yeah I don't see why we couldn't at least do it with masks so well we're getting ready to sign off thank you again for joining conversations with Marion Dalton and uh, you know this is an opportunity I believe for everyone to get cl- gain clarity to grow and to live a life of vitality. So I'd like to just sign off by having David say a prayer for all those facing and dealing with addiction and the other things that we're believing to to overcome and to break through in. Thanks. Father God, we uh, know that you understand us more than we understand ourselves. You created us in your own image. You you created us uh, to be followers of Christ. And it breaks your heart when we don't. Um, You also know all of the issues that we have faced in our lives. You know the abuse that occurred. You know how we were rejected and abandoned. You know how we suffered mother wounds and father wounds. And you understand that and you want to provide a path for us for recovery. And we need to realize that you're a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. So help us not to just see where we stand with that lamp, but see where that light leads down that path and enable us to be able, as you said so many times with healing, to get up, to pick up our mats, take our testimony with us and walk. You want us to live in recovery. And so I pray for everyone out there, everyone who has a family member that they know, that there would be divine healing and restoration and that they would become involved in a recovery program, that they would uh, see their uh, abusive and addictive behaviors resolve in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. And I want to thank uh, Dr. David Hager, my friend, for being with us today. And I, I want to thank you for joining us, uh, Conversations with Marion Dalton. And uh, if there's a topic you'd like to hear me discuss with someone or with you, uh, just uh, make sure you give us some feedback there. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, it will give us things that will really touch your heart and touch you where you live. Blessings.